My name is Jacob Stoops. And I'm Jeff Luella. And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast. This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry. We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. In this week's episode, we talk with Paul Shapiro, Global Director of Technical SEO at Condi Nast and co-founder of Tech SEO Boost, an advanced technical SEO conference. We discuss how he went from wanting to do social media marketing to SEO, his unique Twitter handle, agency versus in-house, his funniest SEO story, the story behind the founding of Tech SEO Boost, and much more. For our core topic, we talk about the rise of technical SEO, why we think advanced technical SEO has blown up over the last few years, and the skills that make great technical SEOs. Finally, we take Twitter questions of the week and award another Page 2 Podcast t-shirt. So get your popcorn ready as we tell Paul's SEO story and have another great roundtable discussion. Hey everybody, this is Jacob Stoops and we are back again for episode 64 of the Page 2 podcast. If you don't know me, I'm an SEO director at Search Discovery, uh, a data transformation company, uh, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Jeff Luella, Senior Technical SEO at the Wirecutter, a division of the New York Times. Jeff, how's hey, it going? Hey, howdy, hey. Things are going good. Jeff, you really early. You were really it's, early on that. I know. It's a, <laughs> it's a good day. It's sunny out. It's it's kind of warm. I'm about to go out after this and, and take a decent walk. Um, I know the Northeast got hit. It's a lot of snow. So Yeah, it's a uh, lot different there than here, man. It's, yeah, it's, we're pushing it's 60 snowing right now. Ooh, yeah, it's pushing 60 down here in uh, in Georgia. So Yeah. That's, Enjoy uh, The reason I made the move. That's good, <laughs> good sunbathing weather. Yeah, we can't do that up here. It is snow and ice. We got... Uh, slammed with a snowstorm last weekend, and we're going to get hit with another snowstorm this weekend. My Oof. kids were out of uh, out of school for a couple of days this week, so that's typical typical Ohio northern uh, United States, northeast United States weather. Uh, but it doesn't bother yeah. me. We just, uh, you know, I don't mind the seasons. I don't mind when it when it snows. It bothers other people, not not necessarily me. Um, so one other thing worth noting uh, for our listeners is we have actually passed the threshold of uh, being halfway through the season. We actually went through uh, the halfway point uh, last season. So Jeff, I think one of the things I wanted to ask you uh, is what do you what do you feel like we've learned, or what have been kind of your favorite parts of the season thus far? Great question. Put him right on the spot. Put him on the spot. <laughs> you know, it's it's the same as probably every season. It's just the the mixture of talented people in this space and how they got into it and and just you know meeting and 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 like learning about people because you only get so much out of Twitter, but an hour and a half conversation totally gets so much more out of them than just learning about their tweets. So um and, and this season's I think been not to put down past guests, but this season's been pretty good. So I've been enjoying it. 
Yeah, this season has been has been good. And I will say last episode obviously was super heavy um, because we we certainly went pretty deep and were, in my opinion, pretty raw with with our um, emotions as it relates to the passing of uh, previous season three guest Hamlet Batista. Um, and I do want to I do want to quickly say uh, his GoFundMe uh, has has been going really 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 well lily ray uh organized it and and, uh, she's been kind of at the forefront as one of his closer friends it is at sixty thousand dollars out of a one hundred thousand dollar goal that being said uh this is obviously his family's uh time of need i cannot imagine what they might be going through now so if you do have the means uh please go over there uh and and donate uh it's an easy google search you can search gofundme hamlet batista and it will show up or you can go to gofundme.com forward slash f forward slash in dash memory dash of dash hamlet dash batista to donate so right now it's at sixty thousand dollars the goal is a hundred thousand let's help his family out it is their uh time of need and and that was um a very sad and unfortunate uh, event and and what i will say is i think this season uh this season more than most other seasons like like we have a bunch we've got two other seasons uh but we've had you know this is we're 60 episodes deep uh, into this podcast. It's been a rewarding season. It's been a bit of a roller coaster, um, obviously, because of, because of what happened. Um, you know, there have uh, been, in my opinion, especially, you know, last episode, like that was as raw as it gets in terms of in terms of our reaction and really feeling the 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 sadness of Hamlet's passing. Uh, but then, you know, as we think of the rest of this season, uh, especially even last episode, Jason uh, Barnard was the perfect guest. And it's just one of those situations where didn't intend it to be that way, but his perspective, uh, as a, as a guest, um, he came in and he just brought kind of like a ray of light to the episode. Like, I don't know how he did it because he was pretty sad, pretty sad too. Um, and the positivity that he brought to the middle of what was an amazingly difficult episode uh and we almost didn't record it like jeff and i were talking before the episode like should we just not record this week should we just skip and reschedule and we finally decided no let's push through let's record and let's let's talk about it um and then jason i mean he sang in the middle of of the episode it was friggin' fantastic i think he loves to sing so (laughs) yeah well good for him i love to sing too and uh I've never sang in the middle of an episode. Uh, and Jason, man, if you're listening, I just want to thank you. Like you were like a ray of light because, uh, you know, we were both pretty down um, and, you know, just having you tell your story and, uh, you know, how how you went from creating a, uh, an internationally syndicated children's cartoon uh, and being kind of the, the cartoon characters to an SEO career was amazing. Uh, and all the other guests this season, uh, you know, with their unique stories and unique perspectives, right? That's why we got into um, into this uh, into this game, into the podcasting game, because we wanted to kind of get behind the scenes and talk about what it was really like to be, um, what it is really like to be an SEO, kind of the, the stuff that you would hear if you were a fly on the wall with two SEOs talking to each other, as opposed to maybe an SEO talking to their their client and what they might say, kind of just the the behind the scenes sort of stuff. And we've, um, 
that's been something that, that I've enjoyed capturing. I've also enjoyed uh, all the Twitter questions. Uh, and and yeah. each passing week, we've been getting more and more. Uh, and it's been really, uh, really cool. So that is, I, I think, something that may be around to stay kind of longer term. Uh, last season, we tried the news. That didn't work out so well. This season, right. the Twitter questions. I, I enjoy awarding, uh, awarding merchandise and uh, getting that out there in the world. But yeah, no, it's been a it's been a good season so far, and we've got um, we've got a lot of good stuff really in store for the rest of the season. And this season will go to um, to episode uh, seventy five, so twenty five episodes per season. Uh, and the next season it will be seventy six through one hundred. We're we're almost podcast senior citizens. Yeah, we've been. I mean, in the podcast world, what what are we like seventy five? Everybody's yeah. got their own podcast now. So, yeah. I mean, having started this two years ago, gosh, we're like OGs in the podcast world, I guess, at least for SEO. <laughs> not not necessarily like the first SEO podcast, but we've we're been around best. a long time. <laughs> yes. We, we are like page two. Yeah. We, and also, we discovered that apparently there is another, another digital marketing podcast out there called the Page One Podcast. What the fuck, man? So <laughs> I picked the worst name possible. So when I picked Page Two Podcast way, way, way back in the day, there was no Page Two Podcast. It didn't exist. And then I come to find out, and as an SEO, I, I'm, I'm stupid for not doing this. I did not buy the domain page2podcast.com. And guess what came along six months later? A church, a freaking church created their version of the page two podcast. And when I reached out to them and said, Hey, I've kind of got dibs. They were like, yeah, we're, we're not giving you the domain and good luck with your show. You can move on now. So I've moved on. I've been watching their domain, but for whatever reason, I don't know why I even stumbled upon this, but just the other day I found the page one podcast and it's a digital marketing podcast. And I just like, I just want to like cover my head. Like maybe we should rebrand uh, I don't even know what to what to do at this point. Uh, but apparently, you know, there will probably be, probably be a page three podcast, a page four podcast, page five. So it's an unfortunate name, and I'm kicking myself. Uh, right it's still a good now. name. Yeah, it's a good name. So fuck you all, all other page two and page one podcasts. <laughs> Go to hell. <laughs> all right. Uh, so the church we've people. got. There guest uh he has been patiently waiting uh in the background uh and today's guest is mr uh paul shapiro global director of technical seo at condi nast paul welcome to the show yeah it's going great yeah i'm excited to be here thanks for having me yeah uh thank you so much for listening to uh one our uh, on the spot kind of opinions about the uh the status of of this season so far as well as my rant uh about all the other page two and one and three and four and five podcasts out there it wasn't in the show notes <laughs> no it was not it was just one of those unanticipated <laughs> things that just came to my mind and i was like you know what i'm gonna rant about this this is this is ridiculous <laughs> that's uh cool, man. That's frustrating domain names right domain names i'm an seo you think i would know better you think i would know better um 
Anyway, so before we tell Paul's origin story, um, one of the things we've been doing, it's very near and dear to our heart. And it's also very near and dear to Paul's heart because Paul's, uh, Paul's uh, conference is uh, very much in sync with uh, the organization United Search. So we've been doing a live read. We want to promote this diversity, balance and inclusion. Really, really, really important. Uh, to us. And it's definitely something that's been at the core of our podcast ever since the, the beginning. So for all those people uh, looking to break into the F SEO conference speaking circuit. So if you're looking to break into the conference speaking circuit, but you're not sure how, if you're feeling that you are not well represented within the current SEO speaking circuit and you want to change that, but again, you're not sure how, we at the Page Two Podcast would like to talk, uh, take the opportunity to let you know about United Search, a new organization and first of its kind SEO speaker accelerator dedicated to ending the implicit bias in SEO that keeps BIPOC, LBGTQIA+, and women in the margins of our industry. Their credo is diverse SEO equals better SEO. United Search offers mentoring advice from people with real-world practical SEO experiences in order to give students the skills they need to be able to deliver an amazing presentation on any stage and the network they need to land gigs, all at no cost to the student. How does this work? Well, it's actually pretty simple. United Search connects a cohort of the best pitches they can source with the top mentors in their subject matter. After working with their mentors uh, to develop their talk, they will host a live stream event where students get to present SEO experts and receive positive constructive feedback. Graduates of this SEO accelerator will get the benefit of top-notch mentorship, public speaking training, a video reel, lots of positive feedback, as well as a foot in the door to help find and land speaking gigs and access to an amazing community of SEO professionals. So what does this mean for our podcast? As a sponsor and advocate, we're committed to regularly showing stats that illustrate our commitment to diversity on this podcast, and we've made a pledge to diversify, meaning that 60% of our guests will come from underrepresented groups, including women, BIPOC, BAME, LGBTQIA+, as well as uh, representation for people with uh, disabilities and those who are 55 plus and older. If this sounds of interest to you, visit unitedsearch.org to learn more about becoming a student or mentor or visit them at Twitter, uh, at Twitter, <laughs> uh, at United, uh, I'm sorry, I'm completely, completely destroying this, on Twitter, at search underscore United. And I think my radio contract is getting ripped up as we, as we speak, Jeff, what do you think? Uh, it's all right. That was my, you, that was my worst live read by far. You, you I, have been stepping back. Sorry. <laughs> I said, I said, I, I said mentor, mentor, and then mentor. I said it two different ways throughout that. And then I always get tripped up with uh, the word underrepresented literally every single time. Maybe I should just rewrite the live read and, and, and make it a lot shorter. So I don't make it a, an ass of myself. Here, if you do that, they actually remove iTunes reviews. Oh, really? If I if I do if I do what? Uh, no live reads or? Oh, if you if you mess up during a live read. Yeah. Oh. Okay. All right. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe I can just keep keep do, if I keep doing that, I don't get iTunes reviews. Is that what you're? Is that what no, you're they, saying? They take them away. They take them away. The Lose fuck? the stars. Yeah. Well. All right. We well, I have did, one. I did. I did check our stars, and we do. We do still have some stars on iTunes, but I need to get my game 
uh, up to up to par so that they don't take our, all of our stars away. And that just right. reminds us, if you're listening, rate us, yes. like us, subscribe, because that definitely helps with our uh, rankings inside of the you know, podcast stores or YouTube or wherever you're hearing this at. Yes, uh, we do an awful job of promoting ourselves right at the beginning of our podcast. So I, I will say we do have a YouTube channel. Uh, so as the as the kids say, if you like our content, please subscribe, hit the little bell below to be notified uh, when we uh, when we launch a new video. We've been launching new videos, uh, video content weekly. Uh, if you listen to us uh, from a, from your podcast platform, specifically Apple is the one that offers uh, the the most ability to write reviews. Please go write a review, rate us. It does help our rankings. Uh, and as people that care about rankings, uh, we care about our rankings within podcast platforms. So cool. All right. Well, let's jump into the episode. So Paul. Uh, for those that don't know you, uh, you know, out there uh, within our listener base, uh, who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So my uh, name's Paul Shapiro. I've been working in SEO, I think about 10 years. I don't think I've actually formally counted how long I've been working in SEO. Um, I'm currently the, the global director of technical SEO for, for Condé Nast. So uh, for those that aren't familiar with Condé Nast, it's a, an organization that owns a bunch of uh, magazines and other publications online, um, just to rattle off a few, Wired.com, Vogue, GQ, New Yorker, uh, Bon Appetit, a bunch of big names in, in publishing. Uh, I've been in this role, I think about eight months at this point, and I, I had just come from a long stand at at an agency, so the whole in-house thing is kind of new to me, but so far I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Other things about me, uh, I founded an online, uh, sorry, wow, it's not an online, an in-person conference called Tech SEO Boost. It's a, a conference dedicated uh, explicitly for technical SEO, um, and we've done it for three or four years now. Uh, my misspeaking comes from the fact that we are currently planning an online version of Tech SEO Boost during the pandemic, uh, so more details about that to follow. Um you can also find me around the internet. I have a blog that I haven't updated in a few years, uh, searchwilderness.com. And I'm pretty active on Twitter as Fido, F-I-G-H-T-O. I have to ask, I, I've always wondered what's with your Twitter handle? How did you create, like, did you, or do you get into like street fights or, or is that something else? Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, um, it is a fragment of, of an old AOL username that I just never steered away from. And I kept rocking it. It's very short. And, you know, I, I, I kept with it and, you know, people ask me that all the time. It's not a fun answer, but it harkens back to like some middle school days for sure. Yeah. The funny thing is, so before we got onto last week's episode, I found one of Jason's comments to Jeff and I, really really hilarious because and i've never ever heard this in my life he he said jacob i really liked your name which nobody has ever said to me because my name is so damn like boring same with jeff jeff i like your name too uh and i would say and i just want to carry jason's commentary forward i like your handle it's pretty it, it's it's pretty hip it's not not boring and and i will say uh for a long time i've been wondering the 
the origin. So it does sound like the origin story is maybe a, a little more a little more boring than I had hoped for. Yeah, apologies, but <laughs> kept kept rolling with it. Kept it really no, professional like it. with my uh, middle school AOL name. It yeah. could have been worse. Yeah. Well, speaking of middle middle school AOL names, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little bit vulnerable here. So, and and this is actually really 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 funny. Um, and God God forgive me for anybody that is that is offended by this. This was just a, a a middle school and high school boy being a high school boy, and it wasn't actually me. So back in the days of AOL, uh, I I had not yet gotten on to like yahoo instant messenger and my friend my best friend at the time said dude you need to get on you need to get on instant messenger so we can talk and i said sure why don't you go ahead and create me an account do you do you want to know what my username was i do i do i want to know i don't want to delicious dog 29 so brutally awful (laughs) (laughs) and believe me as a teenage boy i was like that's that's awesome and 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 then i went and got myself a a yahoo email that was delicious dog and then the first time uh i think i used that initially to like buy a domain from from godaddy or something like that and i and i had some some tech support trouble and one of the first questions or at that time was can you tell me your email and i was like sweating like no i i can't do this and i had to say (laughs) delicious dog 29 and it was at that moment i realized okay this is a little unprofessional and that was it like i think i was like 19 or 20 at that time so long time ago super super embarrassing name and i'm so glad that i did not take my high school aol name and try to like steer it forward into my future personal brand because that (laughs) that would have been really really bad (laughs) man i don't remember if i had one because in the early days of the internet, I uh, enjoyed going through flame wars and and all the anonymous things. So I probably had 30 accounts um, until one day I was like, you know, I'm just going to use my name on everything. It yeah. prevents me from like, if I'm going to fight, I put my name behind that fight instead of just <sighs> fighting for no reason. And, yeah. you know, cause sometimes that was fun to do too. In the middle of the night, just be like, totally take the opposite approach and um, be a troll. So uh, using your real name has taken me away from troll status. Uh, Luckily, I've done that. been using it for about 15 years now. The negative part of that is now my name is attached to so much spam um, that I, it's like, oh, I got to change my real name to something else because, uh, you know, I, I'm constantly unsubscribed. I think I unsubscribe from 10 emails, 20 emails a day mm-hmm. and, I, and like 30 more show up from it. So, yeah. So, so, Paul, take us back to the beginning. How did you get started into into SEO? Yeah, you want uh, an equally unimpressive origin story? I'll give it to you. <laughs> All right, I, I joke a little. Um, yeah, so I I was in college, and I didn't know what I wanted to do going out of college. And I think it was somewhere towards the end of my junior or senior year. I was like, I want to do marketing, and this whole like social media thing sounds pretty cool. I want to do social media marketing. And I graduated out of college, could not get a job in social media marketing for the life of me. Um, I had actually, I had, had reached out to a few conferences in, in social media marketing that were happening at the time. And it's like, I'm a poor student. Can I, can I attend your, your conference? Uh, you know, I'll, 
I'll volunteer, help you guys out. Um, and I did that still, you know, I, I had tons of connections by the time I graduated, couldn't get a job. The economy wasn't in the best place at that time. It probably had something to do with it, but I decided to apply for actually my, my wife, who was my girlfriend at that time told me, why don't you apply for this job? It, it's this thing called SEO. And I'm like, Oh, I know about SEO. It's this whole thing where you like write a keyword a million times into the HTML and like it helps you appear on, on Google. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. I want to do like real marketing, like social media marketing. And, um, uh, I applied and that, that was, that was the one job I got. And, you know, that, that was at an agency called acronym in, in New York city. And I, I, I started as an intern. Uh, and then, you know, I, I got fired, hired full time. And I, I learned the whole thing about SEO turned out I was, I was really good at it. I, or I, I thought I was pretty good at it. And then I, you know, I kept with it. So I, I got into SEO right after college, knowing nothing about it. And I just sort of kept with it. Um, one of the things why I think I got hired and why it made a lot of sense was that, you know, some people in high school, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll work a retail job or, or something like that. I was building websites freelance. Uh, so I was really into like the web design and, and web development sort of side of things um, throughout high school. I started building my first website in, in middle school where I, I got that that terrible username that I use on Twitter. Um, so I, I'd been doing web stuff for years. Uh, so it, it just, it sort of made sense. I was interested in marketing. I was interested in you know web design, web development. SEO really made a lot of sense. I just didn't know it. Um, and, and part of the problem was when I was doing all this web design um, and the, probably what was the early days of, of SEO, I, I, I didn't know anything about SEO. I didn't know it existed. I was making tons of websites that didn't rank for anything. I'm sure I never even paid attention to that. I was, I was like many other people just focused on making like flashy, pretty websites. Um, and then I was, I was selling them and building them for people. And then I, I never even focused on the other end. Um, and I'm, I'm sad about that sort of uh you hear a lot of seo stories where like oh i was making websites for my client and then they cared about business and then so i started doing this seo thing i, I never got to that point so I'm, I'm a little bit bummed about that but that's that's my seo origin story I, I worked in 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 seo the second i got out of college knew nothing about it and it ended up being a really good fit yeah that is uh actually eerily similar to my origin story um it, now my mine has some some twists and turns that involve working at a pet store and working at Staples and U, and UPS and just these horrible horrible jobs uh, that finally led me into being a being a self taught web designer. But the same thing it was building a bunch of websites. They're not getting traffic. Oh, people actually want business. Oh. Oh, so maybe I need to look at marketing, <laughs> and that's when I kind of fell into fell into SEO almost accidentally, right? Um, did not I didn't know what SEO was. I didn't intend to fall into SEO. And we talk about this all the time, which is why the origin stories are so uh, so interesting. Nobody means at least uh, at least back back at that point in time. Rarely do people mean to get into into SEO. Um, it might be a little different today, but I suspect it's fairly similar. Uh, people don't know that they're looking for SEO and SEO has a way of finding you. <laughs> um, Definitely. So when did, when did you kind of catch the, 
catch the passion, right? Because at some point something clicked for you, right? Um, you know, when did you kind of catch the passion for, for SEO and realize, Hey, I can, I can do this. Yeah. Well, I, I think when I started at the job, I was, I was just performing really well. I was doing things at a very fast clip and, and efficiently and, and doing it well. Um, and, and part of the reason for that was I didn't even talk about this. So like in, in college, I majored in psychology and religion, which isn't listed on my LinkedIn. Um, and I was, I was super interested in the psychology of religion. And in fact, when I started that, that double major, my, my intention was I'm going to get a PhD and do research on the psychology of religion. And what that led me to was I worked in a lot of labs doing psychology research. And uh, in those labs, I started getting heavy into data analysis um, and automating some of those systems that the professors that I was working with were, were using for, for crunching that data. So like, I remember I had one professor that was, you know, we were doing everything in SPSS at the time, but there was this whole rigmarole for preparing the data. And I, I, I was like, this, this is incredibly cumbersome. I don't, I don't want to, you know, be doing all this manual work. And at that time, I think, you know, the, the hot thing was like Ruby on Rails. So I started, I was, I was toying around with like Ruby at the time. Um, so I, I wrote this system for data preparation in Ruby in college. Um, and this, this has sort of been the story of my life going back, way back. And when I started my first SEO job, we had similar challenges. So I started building like little systems for, for working with data, automating reporting, and that allowed me to be more efficient with my work. So if I had to, I mean, I was just a junior SEO, I was writing title tags, but uh, when I had to uh, take time to do other things, I, you know, I, I alleviated that with like automation and, and everything just sort of like made sense. Like I, I was, I was doing the right things at the right time. And I just, I, I didn't know it um, until I, I started doing it. And, and then it, you know, at what point did you go from acronym? Like how long did you stay at, stay at acronym? Did you move on to other agencies? Yeah. So it, it was a, it was a relatively short stint at, at acronym. Um, I got my next job. I would say I, I attribute my next job to Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. I was, I was very, I went into the SEO industry and I was immediately like, all the SEOs are on Twitter. Let me start talking on Twitter. And I had my, I had my Twitter account since, I don't know, probably like my sophomore year of college and Twitter was still sort of new then. So I had a Twitter account um, and I just hadn't used it. But at that point I started using it a lot and uh, was participating in Twitter chats, uh, which were like really hot then. People still do those, mm-hmm. not as much as they, they used to, I think. Um, and then someone reached out to me with a job opportunity and that was at catalyst in new york um and i you know i i i went up a, another level joining catalyst um and which is if for those that aren't familiar with catalyst it's one of the seo and page search and now social arms of of group m and at the time it was it was really the only arm it would be people from catalyst would be in the U.S., at least, would be doing SEO for all the different Group M agencies like Mindshare and Mediacom. That's that's since changed. Um, and then, um, 
I stayed a long time at Catalyst. I, I, I just moved on from, from a role at Catalyst where I had, you know, multiple roles over the years. So at one point I was just like a, an SEO director managing uh, some, some junior SEOs and running SEO accounts. And then I was um, the director of, I can't even remember. It was uh, an uh, innovation strategy and innovation, something along the lines of that. It was a, this weird role that was situated in our, our data science department that was focused on, I would say really like novel ways of, of using data, uh, building applications for both SEO and, and paid search, working with um, a very lean team of, of engineers and, and data scientists and, and, you know, doing interesting things. Um, and then from there, I, I moved on uh, leading SEO for, for all of Catalyst. Um, and, you know, I, I think I did eight or nine years there, um, from which point I was like, I really want to do the in-house thing. And I moved on to, to Condé Nast when, when John, Shisha, John Shahada, who I, I work with, reached out with the role. And I was like, yes, this is awesome. I'm in. What, uh, you know, now that you've been in the in-house role for at least a little bit of time, what have you seen to be the biggest differences, both, you know, pros and cons? Yeah. Um, Conde isn't, I think, from my experience of just one company, I think is probably a unique setup in terms of an in-house team. It just because there's so many brands, it has this weird of hybrid feeling of, of, of an agency and an in-house team. Uh, like we have a bunch of SEO managers that are, you know, dedicated to like one or two or three brands, very similar to you have an agency structure. Uh, the differences there, and especially because I'm, I'm focusing on, on the technical and, and global side of things. And I work primarily with like product managers and engineers. Uh, we have a unified CMS system for the most part. And I'm, I'm looking at more like institutional changes, things on the CMS that are, you know, affecting things across the board. So on that side of things, it's not at all like an agency, right? Cause like I'm, I'm, I'm changing actual systems within the Condé Nast brands. But on the other end, I'm working with you know, the rest of our SEO team, which operates very similar to an agency. Um, it's pretty cool. I like it. Um, so my whole role is very different than the agency thing. And I like that very much. Uh, it's, it's very nice to be able to make changes in your CMS and like, you know, work directly with product and, and engineering. Yeah. And that's not something that you always have when you're on the agency side, sometimes you can, you can get buy-in and work closely with those people, but it, it's, it's not the same. It's, it's, it's very different. Yeah. I've been, I've been at agency for most of my career, but there have been a few times uh, I've been in house and it is nice to be able to walk over to the developer and lean over their shoulder and say, can you do this, this, and this, and have it done and committed to the code and deployed uh, you know, within, you know, within that 24 hour period, whereas at an agency it's, you make the recommendation and then hurry up and wait. I have Git access. Like I can, I can deploy code. That oh my is God. such a good feeling. Yeah. That's a good feeling. Amazing. Um, so I would say I, we want to move into the next uh, section here soon, but I have a couple more questions. The next section you're going to want to listen to because we're going to talk about the rise of technical SEO. 
we're going to dive deep into that. Um, but I would say two questions. So tell us your best SEO story from, from your career could be crazy, funny, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, this is not something that happened with a client per se. So when when you get into the, the, the world of being senior leadership within an SEO agency, you're inevitably going to be pulled into sales pitches. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was pulled into a sales pitch. I can't even remember who the company was at this point, but we're, we're in the middle of this big presentation and they have like C-suite members in, in, in the boardroom. And all of a sudden a, uh, like a, like a projection stream drops down and in the middle of the sales pitch where we're getting like into like very nitty gritty SEO Ricky Martin video starts playing, <laughs> um, blasting, and no one can figure out how this happened, how to stop it. It went on for for quite some time, and it is quite possibly the my my funniest moment in in my SEO career. I know I know that's not necessarily what we were getting at, but um, it's just so funny. That's. I- Pretty. I did not expect Ricky Martin to enter yeah. this this uh, podcast discussion at all today. Nor did I uh, <laughs> yeah. when that happened. You know, it's funny. I had similar things, but I know exactly how it happened. Uh, my first internet job. I was uh, kind of just building websites. Um, we we were a Sun Microsystem reseller, so all everyone had like a Sun server under desk they wanted me to use photoshop off of the sun server back then i'm like no you need to give me like a windows computer or something for this um but doing all our coding i had to you know jump into vi into to unix and and code my html that way um but the owner was a little crazy at times and he, he was the type that like didn't show up on fridays on paydays and like would leave you hints of where your paychecks were um but he also had like a temper and he would just come and like yell at you for some reason and as he's yelling at me the the sysop in like the back room like sees it happening and like takes over my server and just starts like blasting all different types of like music and and (laughs) popping up videos on my machine he's like what are you doing over here he's like yelling at me about this i'm like i have no idea what's going on but i knew it was the, the one guy so um it was hard to get disciplined when you have like you know cartoons popping up on your your server in front of you so um it would have been crazier with the client and with Ricky Martin. I think those are, are different variables that are it was so perfect. Yeah. yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, I've never had, never have I ever had Ricky Martin show up on a client pitch. <laughs> you're, you're a loss. Right. That is my loss. I, I wish that had happened. That'd be too funny. Um, so last question before we move into the, into the core topic. So of course I have to ask you have twin, is it twin girls? I have a I have twins, a, a boy and a girl. Oh, boy and a girl. So yeah. so for those parents and non-parents out there, I guess just tell us what that's like and what that's been like during the pandemic. Uh, it, it is the absolute hardest thing I've ever had to endure. Um, I've only ever had to it once, but I would imagine it is significantly more difficult than just having one child just based on anecdotes i've heard from others yes. um it is everything's a logistical nightmare when you have twins right you can't pick one you have to pick two up at once you have to do various things all at the same time one twin you know 
starts crying. The other one starts cl- cl- crying. Um, it's like there's never enough hands. Um, it's 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 always challenging. Um, I, I think they're 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 almost two now, and and things have started to get a little bit easier. But of course, we're in we're in the middle of a pandemic, and there's all sorts of challenges there. Um, but it is it is crazy, man. Like it is yeah. it is really really hard and they're they're so awesome but it's 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 impossible and they're they, they don't sleep through the night still i think that was probably like a parenting mishap but i i haven't yeah. slept in like <laughs> i haven't slept in two years yeah i have i have boy girl twins and they're 10 now so it does get better um they're each other's best friends they they it, it was actually hard to separate them at times um but at the same time they're they, they're they're crazy right now they make me laugh um because they they both like again they, they have each other they're like battling each other in minecraft they're battling like all the different things there but um they do have different schedules like one is a night owl and one is an early bird like my my son has trouble staying up past like nine while my daughter at like midnight i find her in a room just like drawing and she's like and it was this way since they were like in the womb almost like the one you know my wife could always say like oh like she could feel our like overactive daughter like all the time in, in her in her belly and then when she was born like she was always that way always at night kicking and screaming so we were always helping her while my son always slept great like he's he sleeps now in two seconds puts his arms behind his head and just passes out yeah. um which probably won't be good in college when he's like at a party because he's just going to pass out and probably wake up with a a sharpie mustache but um but my daughter's uh, she is she's the twins are great they like the way they interact with each other they do get their own language they don't have to talk they can just look at each other and either start a fight or start laughing at one or the other so um it, it does get better and it is definitely um entertaining yeah for sure mine are totally different from one another and yeah. it, it blows my mind it wasn't until i had twins like i always thought like the whole nature nurture discussion that there was way more nurture than i now think like i i think there's like definitely like a genetic element of it that mm-hmm. is much heavier weighted than you know I, I i previously thought and it's 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 just mind-blowing yeah yeah i don't know i know a little bit about what it's like and a little bit about not what it's like and the reason i say that i so i've got three i've got a seven a five and a, and a one-year-old so mine are all spaced out right so there's a so i with the no sleep i totally feel that for the first two we got no sleep for a long time and then our third was a good sleeper so like as a as a parent of young ones like you just don't sleep and and eventually like it sucks uh eventually you learn how to function on less sleep um and then that just becomes the the norm but i will say my wife triplet my wife is a is a triplet with two with two brothers. So uh, when we talked to them about like, hey, what was your experience being a triplet? They're like, well, we didn't have any other siblings, so like, we don't know any <laughs> any anything else. And I, you know, I can attest they're all really, really, really different. Um, so I do believe in yeah, there is a certain like genetic thing. Like they they have completely different personalities. Uh, but of course they, you know, at, you know, when they were young, of course they all hung out together and they were like best friends and, uh, and so on and so forth. But like, as they've gotten older, their personalities are so different. Like they couldn't be any more, any more different. It's just, um, it's crazy. And we talked to their, uh, you know, to my, to my in-laws 
And it was it's exactly what you had said, the logistical nightmare. They were like, we didn't go out to dinner for like 10 years, 10 years, because you don't want to take three at the same age. And, you know, as I think of being a parent now with different ages, you get different behaviors, different levels of maturity. My, my seven-year-old can kind of handle himself, whereas we can spend time with the one-year-old and good God, I couldn't imagine having two versions of my one-year-old or, or three, all of the same age at the same time. Uh, my mother-in-law, you know, as she looks back on it says like, I, I, and I don't think she's kidding. She's like, I really do not remember anything from your first two years because it was just a, a blur. Totally. Crazy. So Jeff, you want to move into the sure. rise of technical SEO? Yeah. So as a technical SEO, um, I, I find it interesting. I used to feel, um, when I first got into SEO, I worked at a company called Razorfish and I was doing web development and I was lured over to the SEO team. And, and part of the, the luring me over to the SEO team was one, I focused a lot on accessibility in, in my dev work, um, which translated great into SEO. Um, and part of my deal was like, I don't want to write title tags because I like as a dev, I had to like implement tons of title tags because this was like somewhat before CMSs were everywhere. <laughs> um, so we had tons of just HTML pages and it was just a pain. Um, and, and I was considered what they called an SEO engineer at the time, which was kind of like the, the original of like technical SEO at that. Like I, I really was lucky. I was pulled into it. Um, I had a, a, you know, the guy who led the SEO team was, was kind of visionary in seeing the way SEO was being split. Um, and they had, out of the 30 SEOs they had, like no one really understood the technical side of it because they were like, it, SEO was always content. So it, I feel like over the last like four years, like the term technical SEO, it's like, it seems like that's what everyone wants to be, right? Everyone wants to be a technical SEO. Okay, can you teach me everything about technical SEO? And I'm like, do you even have a website? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, do that and then come back. <laughs> it's like things like that. But um, so I, I feel, and I, I like one reason I wanted to bring this topic up is because I feel like technical SEO has been really growing and maybe it's because the other, not saying like content is going anywhere or went anywhere. Maybe it's like content has plateaued and, and technical has come up, but it's kind of like, I guess I was about to pick your brain is like, what are some of the reasons you feel like technical SEO has really blown up over the last, you know, I'll say five years. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. So um, by the time I had gotten into SEO, like, you know, SEO was, was an old thing. Like it, it had been around mm -hmm. a while. Jeff, you probably saw more of this than I did. I think just given like your, your resume, but I'm old. you're not old here. You're young. Um, but we, um, I had been told by a lot of people that there was sort of like different iterations of SEO over time where like SEO from the very beginning was just very technical in nature because it was you know the wild west of the world wide web and people were figuring things out and experimenting and trying to you know you know shove a bunch of like spam on the web so that they can rank and do really well and then as you know google evolved it got better at understanding things people got slaps from from penalties and uh, there was a reformation where people started being like oh it's content marketing and we want to like care about the user and do things really nice and um, make sure that, you know, there's, you know, a query is answering a question like, 
And that was sort of like when I had gotten into SEO that people were, I think it was just shortly after Penguin came out. And so like the SEO I knew was all like very, very clean white hat content marketing focused. And that's, that's how I got into SEO when SEO was in that stage. So I don't, I don't know what happened prior to that. Um, at the same time, like I thought that was interesting and cool, but I kept finding like different ways of like playing with things. And I think, I think, um, although there wasn't as much of an emphasis in the industry, there was still some people like dabbling in like more like technical applications of SEO. Um, and then I think as, as the years sort of progressed, the web just kept getting more and more complex, right? Like, and people were, had to, had to adjust to that. Like every website is using JavaScript, right? Um, how do we, how do we handle that? Google's not really great at reading JavaScript. Now Google's really good at reading JavaScript. Um, there is just like new web technologies, you know, you know, there used to be flash used to be a thing. Flash is no longer a thing. Um, and it's, it's just like the, the web has changed so much, so drastically in a short period of time, Google's gotten better at understanding things, their, their ability to do information retrieval and understand what's on the web has just improved every single year. So the whole SEO thing has gotten more complicated, even if you're doing great content marketing, there's no guarantee that you're you're going to rank yeah. it takes it and and especially in, in an organization where they've been doing seo for years and they they got the the basics down and um it, it it depends on the business but there's 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 times when you're working on a website where like what else is there to do right like you you've got you've got yeah. you've, you've got great content you've got this sophisticated ecosystem and yeah like you need to you need to maintain that but you know you're doing really well, right? And how do you, how do you push the envelope there? And yeah. usually the answer in that case is something technical. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's it's funny back when I worked at Razorfish, we the, the SEO team was its own, it ran global SEO for all the different Razorfish offices, it was all out of Philadelphia. And we had our own dev team that built tools for us because back then we didn't have rank like 50,000 ranking tools to choose from. We didn't have like all these different things available. So we had like two or three devs that were just there to help build tools. And, and I remember the, there's two things that they built that really stood out for the time. And one was um, what they called Sofa, which was um, search optimized flash architecture because everyone was building flash. So it was kind of just like, Hey, if Google, like it was all done kind of pulling JavaScript in flash and Google would get the HTML version of it. It was so th- back then that was kind of like revolutionary. Now, like, I mean, there's no flash, but that's kind of graceful degradation of, of sites. Um, and the other was they built a ranking tool and like a crawler that, you know, Google was getting smart and they realized if you're running 10,000 rankings from your one IP, they would ban our office got banned like every day, things like that. Um, so they, they developed a screensaver because the SETI organization that's looking for extraterrestrial life forms had a, a screensaver that if everyone installed on their computers, when your computer wasn't in use, it would use your 
power to do that. So they took that idea and had everybody at Razorfish install it on their home computers. So when you're at work and you leave your home computer on, we could use your home computer for search rankings. Um, it, it was an interesting time. That was kind of before there was, you can get like 10,000 proxies for $5. Um, so uh, we kind of built our own internal proxy network built off of that. And, and thinking back now, I'm like, that was such genius ideas back then um, for doing stuff. So, but they weren't really considered the SEO team. They were our like tool team for search. But to me, like they were, I sat in that office all the time, just kicking ideas because it was like, this is the cool stuff that I love doing. Like, you know, if that was still around, they might still have a team like that, but they would probably be leading all the like you know, machine learning type of things and, you know, stuff that's going on now. But back then it was pretty interesting. Um, so like now the technical SEO, and I guess before it was just like you were an SEO and now like we are breaking apart. Like, you know, we had link builders and then we had SEOs. <laughs> um, now there's like, you know, content and technical and things like that. But what are some of the skills that you think that make great technical SEOs? Yeah. I, and I think, I think that that differentiation is probably because um, it, there's a, a lot to specialize in, right? Like the, you can, you yeah. can go very deep down the rabbit hole into each one of those and the skill sets are kind of different. Mm-hmm. And I, I know there's this discussion of like the, the T-shaped marketer, but it's becoming harder and harder to to be that yeah. T-shaped marketer nowadays, um, but but in terms of skills, right? Um, you see a lot of like push and pull about this, like in, in like Twitter conversations. But I, I really do think programming experience is extremely valuable when it comes to technical SEO for 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 a myriad of reasons. One, um, when when you're working on a website, being able to better interface with a product and development team speak the same language, understand what is possible, what isn't possible. That at, at, at the very simplest level is is a use case for being familiar with that. Two, being able to uh, iterate and experiment and and try new things very rapidly. Uh, that's only made possible usually by being able to to write code. And you, you could totally do, you know, regular technical SEO without any coding experience. But you, I think you get a leg up when you can, you know, very much on an ad hoc basis, write Like a very little, like quick script that takes care of something. Um, it just makes you faster than the other guy. Right. Yeah. Um, especially because like you can work with an engineering team, but a lot of times like engineering teams are, are bogged down with like tech debt. Yeah. Um, they're very focused on like, process and making sure that um, if this is in a, in a production environment that it's not going to break that it works well with their other systems and and sometimes you want to you want to move a little bit faster like you want to you want to move fast break mm-hmm. things right um and it, it allows you to that, that skill allows you to do that um three and this is getting into you know the python stuff um you know python has just been such a, a dynamic programming language when it comes to to data exploration um and and being like a data oriented marketer it's it's mm-hmm. extremely useful you can just you're able to do and unlock way more insights if you have some python or r experience just on on, on the data end so yeah i, I yeah. think no you do not need to know how to program to be a really good technical seo to some extent but it's it's definitely going to give you a leg up if if you if you know um 
other skills um very much like um some sometimes a business roles and or engineering roles i think just a, a problem solving mindset being able to break apart problems into their their bare components um and and address them accordingly is is useful because usually you're, you're working in um complex ecosystems with a lot of moving parts and um there's not only like a business side of things but there's like the mechanics of a website that you know there, there's a da- there's a database you might have to work with. There's some, you know, maybe like a front-end JavaScript framework. There's HTML, CSS. Um, there's how everything is linked together. It, you get into very complex systems and being able to, you know, problem solve pretty well is, is, is very important. Now that's, 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 that's hard to learn, um, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it is a good skill. And um, three, and I, I think this is true of, not just technical SEO, this is also true of, of SEO in general, but just being very curious, a desire to like learn about new things, play around, experiment. What if I, you know, what if I tweak X? How does that affect Y? Um, the, the best SEOs, in my opinion, are, are those that are curious. Yeah. I would say uh, lately, I've also been thinking a lot about men my own mentality um, and being on the agency side implementation is sometimes really, really, really difficult and frustrating. Um, But from a mentality standpoint, I've been thinking more and more like I need to be, or at least a modern SEO needs to be more scientific and less, this is the framework. These are the best practices and they're always going to work because more and more I'm seeing, but that's not always the case with every single client in every single vertical uh, and people are becoming, organizations are becoming data savvy and, and data centric. And if you're an SEO that is not focusing almost like a, like a scientist or a doctor where you test the outcomes of different things and you learn uh, what works and what doesn't. Um, you know, I, I feel like you're at risk of, to some degree, being left behind if you're just always relying on best practices or the framework of what's supposed to be a good SEO practice blindly. So, Paul, one one question I you know I have to ask is as we get into kind of this modern era of of SEO, what are kind of your favorite uh, things to dabble with on the technical side? Yeah. Um, that's, that's a great question. Um, I, I do like experimentation, just the the nature of experimentation. It's, it's not an easy thing to do by, by any means within SEO, but, um, with some, you know, diligence and, and, and hard work and, you know, some, maybe some smart uh, data scientists like it, it it is it is possible and it, it yields results um and even if you're not doing a, a formal like science experiment having that that mentality of of experimentation I, I think is is great and i i enjoy that um some more concrete things i would i would say um i love playing around I've, I've mentioned this already. I like, I love playing around with, with, with just data, um, being able to pull apart the data and apply it in unique ways. Um, 
tool development um, in terms of playing with things on on, on the website, um, how things are interlinked together, um, playing with you know things like um, internal linking, um, you know page rank, um, sort of like network graph type things. Um, NLP analysis on of 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 content. Um, I'm I'm not quite as sophisticated on like the the the, the text generation stuff as some of the essays are, but in terms of like uh, text analysis, like I, I I love that. Yeah. Um, which ties in very heavily with like keyword research and and whatnot. Um, the actual like in, uh, site architecture design, uh, which is. I think a lot more complex than people usually talk about it within SEO. Like in SEO, people usually talk about it like, you know, how is your 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 navigation structured and how are things like linked? But it, it's it's really much more than that, right? It's it is it gets down into like what are your like CMS capabilities? Um, how is it like uh, how is your website networked? Um, what is the the server architecture? Um, it's just this one interrelate inter related complex ecosystem that it's just really really interesting yeah wirecutter um even though we are somewhat of a smaller site the the back end stuff is and it all started on wordpress right so it's like some guy 12 years ago started a, a kind of reviews blog on wordpress and now it grew into a 150 million 200 million dollar company that's um you know, now has 200 and something employees. Uh, but, the, you know, the engineering team has done a really great job of kind of the, the CMS is still WordPress, but that is just CMS entry into the, to a database. And we um, have, you know, a, a ton of different type of systems that pull in um, from our review side, you know, things like reviews and price checkers, making sure that like Amazon, when they change the price, we're updated our price on our sites and building all these tools that some of them are kind of like plugins to WordPress, but other ones are just, different layers that get pulled in and with different APIs and they kind of API the whole system to be able to pull that type of all together. Uh, it, and it's great. Cause I'm like in this, like, wow, like I'm actually in these meetings and I'm learning. So like the in-house side thing has been great for me just to, to get a little more nerdy with stuff. And I have more time to, to pull in some of that analysis. So, so I really dug that. Um, I wanted to kind of finish up this section talking about, um, something I hope to get to one day, and I think everyone hopes to get to one day, is a Tech SEO Boost, uh, the conference that you started. Um, you know, it's been a tough year for conference businesses, um, no matter what your conference is about. Um, what are some things you're, you know, well, one, what was it like to start a conference? And two, what is it like to, you know, plan a conference these days? Yeah, yeah. Um Oh man, it, it, especially such a niche conference, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Let me let me first tell the 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 tech SEO boost origin story because I like it. Um, I was at SMX Advanced, absolutely plastered with Max Prin, and this was actually this was Max's idea. It was Max's idea to start Tech SEO Boost, and he's goes really drunk. Paul, let's start a conference. Taps John Mueller on the shoulder. John, speak at our conference. And then that, that's, that's how I started. Um, and then I was like, well, maybe we should, <laughs> then how do we actually start this conference? Right. And I was like, well, we're, we're both working at large agencies. Maybe we can 
have our agencies help out so we can learn how to how to do this thing yeah. and without really thinking about the future maybe in retrospect i would have done it completely independently and, and learned on the go but um we I, we went through our agency uh catalyst was was like yeah let's 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 try it and I, I think they they had no idea what they were getting into they thought like this would be like our one of our webinars and it would be this like, like little like local event and no one would come i don't think they realized what the, the interest would actually be like um but they they realize now and, and, and yeah. that this this was something um and then we were we were trying to max and i were trying to figure it out between two competing agencies and that that ultimately didn't work unfortunately but um yeah that's how tech seo boost started um and we, we had it our first year the reception was 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 incredible we, we we kept doing it um it was it was primarily me just curating speakers people that i knew from the industry that i thought were doing really really smart things i was always trying to get people that weren't necessarily on the speaking circuit trying to bring people in that were you know the yeah. maybe they were like brilliant technical seos and you know they they had their head down in code but they weren't they weren't speaking and i was like come on come on just come speak right and um and i i think people were exposed to new things by me doing that because you, you wouldn't have normally seen these people talk like i remember i got jr oaks to talk and he was like yeah. I, I don't i don't want to talk like like this is boring like no one's gonna care hamlet 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 Batista. Oh my God. I was like, come Hamlet, do a talk about, um, Python. And he's like, Oh, Paul, no one wants to see me write code. Right? Like no one wants to hear about nitty gritty Python work. And I was like, come on, just do it. I think everyone's going to love it. Um, and I convinced Hamlet and like that blew up into like Hamlet's Python movement Mm -hmm. afterwards. And, you know, you know, rest in peace, Hamlet, but you know, Thank you for doing that. I think that's been a, a wonderful contribution to the the SEO community, and you know, I've I've I've, I've benefited. I've enjoyed it. Um, it makes my conversations more engaging and exciting. So, um, yeah, it's 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 been wild. Um, so the Tech SEO Boost is still operated by Catalyst. I'm an event chair, even while I'm at Conde. So that's it's still an operation. We're going to do this digital event. Um, after taking a pause due to the pandemic and then we'll get back to an in-person event once everyone's like vaccinated and, and, and safe. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's been a wild ride. I'm so happy to see people care and, and want more of this because I, you know, it, it was, let's create a conference that I care about and, you know, it turns out other people care about it too. Yeah, so it's, it's, been, it's been really humbling. I, I always thought things like SMX advanced or any of the so-called advanced conferences weren't advanced. Um, they're not that they're, they're, they're more advanced than your standard SMXs, but it's, I would go to them and I, I would feel that I wasn't getting as much value out of them after I hit a certain level. And the, the biggest opportunity was the after hours. It's like, that's where you actually learned like during the thing. So um, when you came up with tech SEO boost, it was like, ah, oh, this is perfect. Cause this is going to do. And, and actually after seeing it, cause I watched it online um, and, and after seeing, it, I was like, this was everything. Like, I don't, I, it may, it actually, we talk a lot about imposter syndrome. Uh, I don't think I had any until like I watched, I'm like, Oh, like they're, they're doing it. Like Jared has built the internet 
and um, <laughs> you know, it's like see, seeing stuff going on here. And like Hamlet, I, I got to, to meet Hamlet at, at Raleigh um, SEO uh, meetup with, and and like that whole crew in Raleigh is insane too. Um, but like Hamlet's just like, you know, pulling up, you know, ML stuff on like JR's face <laughs> and like saying all these different things. And I was like, wow, I was like, these guys, like, it's just, it totally interested me. I loved it. And I love to see how like this cool thing, such a, you know, Python machine learning, all the, all the data analysis type of things, like is in a way becoming like even a, another arm of SEO. So we had Jackie Chu on a couple episodes ago and her job was SEO intelligence is her title. And I'm just like, that seems like a totally different, like, you know, it's like you have strategy, but like just the one thing I've always hated in SEO is the reporting aspect of it, because I always have to say, like, take this with a grain of salt, every, every report, like, you know, it's like, oh, Google only gives us 10% of the data or, you know, SEMrush is, you know, pulling all their, you know, stuff from Russian hackers and all the, you know, HRF is coming from Singapore and who knows what's like, all their numbers are different, but they're all good. So there we go. Like, that's how I have to pull stuff together. So being able to see things like velocities and have, when you have so much data, especially being at a site, like a large, all your Condé Nest, I'm sure, I don't know what numbers are, but I'm sure like Wired gets a shit ton of traffic, you know? So being able to use automation and Python machine learning to be able to see trends that a human eye won't be able to see, I think is, is great. And those are some of the things that I've gathered from the tech SEO boost, right? Just like, wow, these, just knowing H1 tags is not good enough. Just knowing like how to build a website and like, Hey, I built a hundred websites. So that's great. Yeah. Well, that's not like, that's like a tech SEO. And now you have like this more advanced level. And, and I learned a lot of that in, in SEO boost. What was the, what was the, the thing that surprised you the most, or maybe the, the thing that most people don't know about setting up an SEO conference? Um. I mean, the thing that surprised me most, I just, I had no idea that that many people would be interested in it. Um, it surprising things about setting up a conference. It's, it's not easy. Like there's, there's a lot of things to, to think about, especially doing, um, uh, curating speakers, especially, and like, like in terms of our, like what we're planning on doing in terms of like diversity if you you're constantly balancing things like yes i care about diversity and i want a diverse group of speakers but i really want to talk about these really important topics and maybe you know this speaker doesn't have expertise on that topic but you know we we really we we, we care about all these things and just being able to figure out that puzzle is really difficult uh, i would say programming's n no easy feat and I've, I've had bumps along the way. Um, we like the last tech SEO boost we ran, we had, you know, uh, we did it in the middle of a snowstorm and like people almost didn't show up and it was almost a big, there's just like so many yeah. logistics and, and planning things that you, you, you wouldn't think about. Like it is like, I, I, I had hoped that we would just like, Hey, I'll get all my SEO friends to come and like, we'll, we'll, we'll talk on a stage, but it's not, a, it's not at all that simple. Mm -hmm. The best, best and worst and best worst ideas happen when you're drunk. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So how, how many years has tech SEO boost been going on? I think this is year four. Cause and I think all, last year was three. Yeah. And it all came from 
a, a drunk conversation at a another it was another conference it was smx right it was you smx said, advanced i think yeah from a drunk after hours conversation and now mm-hmm. now you've got one of the most well-known technical seo conferences out there that's crazy um, so why don't we move into the last section, uh, which is the Twitter questions? Uh, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite sections. Every week we've got uh, five, six questions this week. Uh, so thank you to our audience for uh, submitting uh, questions. We asked a little bit late. We usually ask on Thursdays. We asked on Friday morning, and y'all came through. So we do appreciate that. Uh, this week. Uh, just like the the last couple of weeks, with the exception of last week, uh, the uh, the best question, as judged by Paul, Paul will be the judge, jury, and executioner, as all guests <laughs> have been. Uh, we'll get a free Page Two Podcast T-shirt. Uh, the one thing that we ask, it's not a requirement. We ask it nicely, and and we have uh, started to get. Um, get this response a little bit is that if you are the winner uh please when you get your merchandise take a picture tag us uh we'd love to we'd love to to see it uh it's pretty awesome to see people wearing uh the the swag of a brand that you've personally created so please just humor us uh and if you're the winner uh tag yourself in a picture we would love to see it all right. So question number one comes from Evan Sherbert. Uh, he is at JD Salinjerk, which I love that Twitter handle uh, on Twitter. I believe that's a catcher in the rye reference. Uh, so when did SEO first start to click for you? When did it feel intuitive, a project, job, experience? And I'm going to apologize. I feel like I totally buried the lead on that. <laughs> On that question earlier in the episode, but Paul, I'll let you, I'll let you answer or re-answer that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we totally talked about this a little bit, but yeah, I think just uh, with my sort of web dev experience and like an interest in marketing, it was, it was a perfect storm. I didn't know what SEO was. And once I really understood what like real SEO was not like snake oil SEO was like everything clicked, like it was, it was perfect. All right. Question number two comes from uh, season two guest, Simon Cox. So Q4 at FIDO uh, on the podcast. When determining a comprehensive technical SEO strategy, does Paul prefer D20 or D8? And I'm going to admit, I have no no clue what he's referring to. So this is imposter syndrome live. I've got no idea what he's talking about. What a jokester. Um <laughs> Yeah, it, this is a Dungeons and Dragons reference. Oh my god, that's um, why. Okay. Yeah, and I'll have to say I, I play Dungeons and Dragons occasionally, but pr- probably not as much as Simon, um, Simon <laughs> thinks. I, I'm, I'm more of a actually really passionate about board games, which are different than Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I have actually a, a board game blog and, and podcast, um, so like I, I think that's what he's getting at. Yeah. Um, boardgamesquad.com if anyone's curious that's the home of both the the blog and podcast um and although i did get to play dungeons and dragons right my twins were very young and we were we were doing a like sort of a an seo um campaign where it was it was a uh, let's see it was uh alexis sanders rob usby it was who else was there? 
I'm blanking. It was uh, Red Hat. Red Hat. Um, Jeff Jairus or JP? Not, 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 not Jairus. JP. It was, it was, it was JP. Yeah. And who? Oh, my God. What's her face? I'm so sorry. Jamie. Jamie. <laughs> um, and yeah yeah and she she made everything happen so i can't believe I, I i blanked on that but that was tons of fun and i think everyone just got busy and we we couldn't continue with it speaking of board games we got another board game related question you may have already answered this you violated the rules of twitter questions without even mm. without even knowing <laughs> but this question came from uh micah fisher Kirshner. Uh, at Micah FK on Twitter, when will you create a board game on SEO? Any hints about the area style? Yeah, yeah, I, I answered him on Twitter, but yeah, <laughs> I had started. I'm, I'm not making an SEO board game, although I, I totally thought about it and was discussing it with some other people. I, I am trying to design a board game, and uh, I've sort of taken a hiatus given what's going on with the pandemic, and it's it's. You know, big part of designing a board game is actually play testing it. You know, um, putting it together, playing it with a bunch of people, getting feedback, adjusting. Um, and, and there's a lot of people that are designing board games online on something like Tabletop Simulator, but I just found it very cumbersome and, and difficult. Um, but I am designing a board game that is, for those in the know, it is a hybrid area control and worker placement game with like a very dark theme. It's about people. Uh, souls in hell that are uh, sort of forced into combat with each other for no apparent reason other than that they are in hell. Sounds like we're going back to that psychology degree, huh? (laughs) Yeah, and the religion. Good Lord. Here I am thinking of like SEO Monopoly. How great would it be to have a card that says, oh, you just disallowed your entire site via your robots file. Don't collect $200. Go straight to jail. Don't pass go. And and then we get souls competing right. in eternal stuck combat. On infinite loop. In, in I think SEO would make a good <laughs> would make a good board game if you think about like pulling different like levers on like ranking factors. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be kind of neat. It's just like I don't know that the, that the audience is there. Matt cuts sends you to jail. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> oh, all right. So our next question. I think I already buried the lead on this one, so I'm ruining the entire Twitter section. But Jackie Chu, uh, season three guest, at Jackie C. Chu on Twitter. Can you talk about the founding of Tech SEO Boost, how you decided to take the leap, the challenges, and your current involvement and plans for it? It brought such a unique group of people together, and I hope it's a proud moment for you and will live on. Yeah, I really, really appreciate that, Jackie. (laughs) Totally answered it, but... um... You can go back and hear the the story yeah. of of when I was drunk with with, with Max Prin and we, <laughs> we tapped John Mueller on the shoulder and said, "Let's do a conference." Um, you know, again, like it, I had the same thing that Jeff had, where I would I would go to like SMX Advanced and like I would I would feel like this wasn't advanced, and it was I just wanted to create a conference that I like I would get something out of. And, you know, I still, when I attended, like, I don't know everything. Like people think like I'm, you, you get to a point where people think you're an expert and because they, you're an expert, you, you know, everything, but like, I'm learning things every single day. I go to tech SEO boost and I, I pick out topics that I'm kind of like interested in. And 
by being interested in them, that usually means that I, I don't always know a lot about them. Sometimes I do. And I just want to, I want to learn more, but you know, I, I, I learn a lot from tech DS as a CEO boost myself. Um, so I like attending. When you guys tapped John Mueller, what did he say? That's maybe oh, that's he, an interesting he, he was, he, he, he was not, um, he was not opposed. Like, uh, we, we didn't have him speak, but it was always, uh, every time he didn't speak, it was due to, um, a, like a scheduling thing, but he, he was, it, I was impressed that it was, was not a no. Yeah. I've always, I've always wondered, he seems like just such a really nice guy. And I've always wondered what he's, what he's like kind of in a personal, in a personal setting. So I was, I was interested in what he might've said. <laughs> um, all right. So question number five comes from former uh, search discovery colleague of Jeff and I's uh, Zach Chahalis at Zach Chahalis on Twitter. Uh, how would you recommend that someone get into Python for use within SEO and parentheses, data analysis, reporting, strategy development, et cetera, so on and so forth? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a good question. Uh, so one, I say when you when you learn to program for the purpose of SEO, you are, you're making usually one or two decisions, right? You, or, you're making, you're making a decision of either, um, do you really care mostly about like the web dev side of things, like how your sites are constructed? Um, and in which case you, you should be focusing probably a little bit more on like JavaScript or something like that. Uh, that just makes a little bit more sense. But at the time where you've, uh, point where you've chosen Python, you, you care more about the data side of things usually. Um, not that either of those are mutually exclusive, but you, one is a little bit more appropriate for web development. One's a little bit more appropriate for, for data analysis. Um, in terms of, of learning Python, it is in some ways very syntactically sim simple um, compared to other programming languages. It is, it is an interpreted language. You have, a, have an interpreter and it's, it's doing um, a lot of things for you. So you don't have to worry about like, like memory and, and pointers and all stuff like that. Uh, so like it, it's, it's, it's a really good first programming language. I, it, it was not my first programming language. So in terms of what I think is a good resource for, for learning Python from scratch is, is jaded by the fact that it was not my first programming language. Um, so in, in terms of resources that I think are good Kaggle, which is a, um, it's an organization for actually solving machine learning programs. They have a really nice tutorial in my opinion, and it's the basics of Python. And then it gets all of a sudden you start doing like machine learning. Um, and like uh, before that working with like pandas and other like data libraries. And I think it's pretty good. Um, I'm also a big fan of um, code Academy. I think that whole like interface of like doing interactive programming works makes sense um they have a python module i don't know if it is data oriented i think it's just like the basics of like python although i'm not sure um and i, I would recommend that and then lastly um i'm a huge fan of lynda.com or whatever it's linkedin learning I, I think they have it's the same website but they have two different brands live at the same time i don't know what they're doing um and the reason i'm a fan of that is they have coursework on everything imaginable and a lot of major libraries give you free access to that. So like when I was in Boston, the Boston public library gave me access. I know the New York public library gives you access. And this is, this is very common amongst public libraries. And for that reason, 
due to its accessibility, I think it's 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 a really good option. Um, if you are already know Python, there is a really good book. I, I'm I'm drawing a blank that was written by I think it was the creator of Pandas that gets into like how to like really efficiently use Pandas, which is a very important library when you start working with anything that concerns concerns itself with like tabular data in Python. And it's, it's, it's really good. I'll have to dig up that. It was actually, I think Hamlet um, um, told me about it and I ended up like reading it and I, I got tons of tips of things. Like I was already working in pandas and I had things I didn't know about already um, things on like, like efficiency and, and even in some cases like, like functions I just didn't know about that were really useful. Um, so that, that's a really good book. Excellent. Um, last question. So this question's from Darwin at DazFNYC. And I'm going to, I'm going to just say, I, this is, I think, uh, based on his Twitter profile, man, I like what he did with this question and, and you guys will, will see what I'm talking about. And this is a two-part question. So when, when you'd consider an SEO as a technical SEO, what are the minimum skills she would have? Can you repeat that just one more time? And it, it, so it's a little bit it's a little bit uh, broken um, in terms of the in terms of the, um, the the syntax. But when you'd consider an SEO as a technical SEO skill, or I'm sorry, is a technical SEO, what are the minimum skills she would have? So I guess the question is, what are the minimums minimum viable skills you need to be a technical SEO? Yeah. Uh, okay. So I gave I I think it was 2019. I, everything's sort of jumbled in my head now with twins and pandemics, but I think it was 2019 that I spoke at, I spoke at MozCon and the topic of that was redefining technical SEO. And I think the distinctions I made in that presentation have an impact on how I would answer this. So let me, let me just give the, like, the brief rundown on that. So one, I think there is sort of, this more like traditional, like what people think of as, as technical SEO, this is things that have to do with crawling and, you know, now rendering and then indexing ranking, right? Like the, the, like the standard things people talk about when they talk about technical SEO and it's, you know, making sure that Google can see your website in an optimal manner. Right. Then there is what I call checklist technical SEO. And, and these are, are things where you can sort of go down a checklist and be like, is there a canonical tag? Um, is that canonical tag referencing the right version of the page that you want it to? Um, it's, it's things that like a lot of, of crawlers will just spit out reports on or that you can simply put a checklist. Doesn't require too much thought. The, the, the problems that it solves are, are different than what I would was previously talking about in that the sense that there is a skill gap that may be present. Uh, so like you may end up having to like rejigger a CMS in the first instance to, to make something work in an optimal fashion and knowing how to look at that, look forward beyond what would be provided in a simple checklist is, is actually like a different, pro, a, a different skill set, right? You, you need a little bit more familiarity with like web infrastructure and architecture. Um, then there is, um, what did it say? There was uh, what I called like blurry lines technical SEO. And these are, are things that I, I think sort of aren't really technical SEO, but often end up within the purview of, of SEOs. This is like web performance optimization, right? Like, like in my opinion, like that's 
that's for like front end, like web engineers, right? It's, but, but because, you know, Google has done this thing, like it, it often falls to the SEO and the SEOs are often the people advocating for web performance optimization. Um, and like some people might say like, you need that as a skill to be a technical SEO, but do you really, I don't know. Um, and then lastly, there is what I call like, it, I don't know what to call it. it. It is like this advanced technical SEO, which I think really encompasses things like like data science, uh, playing around with data, gaining insights that might affect the bottom line of, of everything else you're doing with SEO, like maybe doing an interesting data analysis that will affect like what content you're writing or how to, how to look at how Google is perceiving your website. It's, it's just a little bit beyond what those other things are touching, may even fall into blurry areas sometimes as well, but um, the, the, the actual like operational tasks are different. So I, I think depending on what you're doing, the skills are, are a little bit different, right? Um, so to, to do minimal technical SEO, to do that checklist technical SEO, I, I think you need to um, understand things like like meta tags, you have to have a basic concept of like HTML. You have to know how to use certain tools like a like a screaming frog, um, and and sort of like know what to look for there. To do the 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 broader technical SEO that maybe is a little bit more complex, you you need to understand aspects of of web development, right? How websites are built a little bit more than just HTML server, how servers work, yeah. um, backend programming languages. Um, because really there, there are sometimes these, these problems that aren't solved by running a crawler, right? Um, to do the, the more advanced things, that's, that's a programming skill. You need to, you should probably learn something like Python. Um, and then the, 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 the blurry lined areas, like, I don't even know if you should learn that, <laughs> right? Like, uh, should you, I, yeah, you can learn about web performance. That's, 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 that's a web development skill, right? Um, learn, learn JavaScript, run, learn front end web development. Um, so yeah, I, I, minimum effort. You need to know that, um, checklist technical SEO, you need to learn how to use, use a crawler. Um, but you, there, there's so many other paths you can take depending on what like SEO is for you, what is needed by your business or, or organization that you're a part of, um, and, and where you want to go. All right, so let's pick a winner. That was uh, six amazing questions. So we've got uh, Evan uh, with when did first SEO start to click for you? We've got Simon with the D uh, the D and D uh, reference. We've got Micah with the board game question. Jackie uh, with the Tech SEO Boost conference question. Zach with the Python question, and Darwin with the technical SEO minimum viable yeah. skills. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this because we buried the lead in so many instances. There, it's <laughs> really hard for me to unbiased pick pick a winner. So how, let's do this. Let's let's use a random number generator to keep this fair. How, how many how many questions did we have? We had six. Do, do you have them? Do you have them ordered? Yes. Uh, yes. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna Google a random number generator. Between one and six, right? Right, <laughs> built into Google. You gotta love how Google steals yep. traffic from everyone. Um, <laughs> one, one. That means right. Evan. Evan wins the Page Two podcast. There you go. There we go. Uh, at JD Salinger. 
great Twitter handle. So Evan, we're going to be reaching out to you uh, to uh, get your page two podcast t-shirt in the mail. When you get it, of course, tag us uh, and show, show off the swag. Uh, so yeah, Jeff, take us, take us home. Yeah. We like to ask one final question of all our guests. And that is what words of advice would you give to a person just getting into SEO? Just, just go for it. Um, you know, try something out. If it doesn't work, try something else. Just, just, just go for it. Um, th- there's something to be said about doing and being someone who, who doesn't doing someone who, who just like, I need to infinitely keep learning. And then eventually once I learn everything, maybe I'll start doing it. And what ends up happening is you don't do anything. So just, just, yeah. just go for it. Awesome. Great, great advice, Paul. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah. So my, my personal SEO blog is searchwilderness.com. My board game blog is boardgamesquad.com. My SEO Twitter handle is is Fido, F-I-G-H-T-O. Cool. Uh, Well, Paul, I consider this a a very successful episode. If for nothing else that your twins did not crash through the through the door uh right in the middle of the episode i was i was waiting for that to happen at any point and it didn't so we made it all the way through we were yeah. even just a little bit over a uh, little bit over time because jeff always talks too much yep. no, i'm joking <laughs> jeff barely talks it's usually me talking too much <laughs> uh so we definitely appreciate you uh you coming on our show great show uh as always and uh yeah, we're all uh, we record on Fridays, so we're heading into the weekend. If you're listening to this episode, it should be Monday or Tuesday. So enjoy your week. Have another great week. And we will be back uh, next week with another amazing episode. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Page Two Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to new episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, CastBox, PocketCast, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Additionally, You can also listen and watch our show on our YouTube channel or follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. If you'd like to get in touch with us, contact us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing.